It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Time Enough Podcast. It's where we delve into all the episodes of the Twilight Zone and beyond. As always, this is Matt here. Coming back from Mission Log is John Champion. Howdy. Howdy. And uh, not sure when people are hearing this exactly, but happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all the all the things. Winter solstice. It's all right on top of us as of this recording. Oh, what'd you do for the solstice? What did I do for a solstice? <laughs> I, I, I admired the shortness of the day and said to myself, thank goodness it's it's only getting better from here. Because, man, <laughs> in, in L.A., when it gets dark at 4.30, that is just no fun. Yeah, that's what we're working out and on my part of Japan. Coming from Atlanta, we'd always get like a little bit later light because that's way yeah. off to that side of the time zone. But uh, I guess yeah. you and and I are now on the the other side of the. Well, you're from Birmingham. You're always on the other side of that time zone, but <laughs> yeah. But I, out here, it just feels so short, and I I, I hate it because like one of the reasons that I moved to L.A. is you know nice weather year round, and you know you, you want to take advantage of that, like go out at night, and yeah, that's it stinks. But only getting better from here on out. You could so, trade in your time zone, but only one of us can trade in our time zones. Not, not we can only, only one can trade in the time zone. It's going to cost you a pretty penny, too. But uh, yes, yes, it is the uh, trade ins today. Uh, so we'll bop on into that. And I will do a little bit of trivia here. Original air date was April 20th, 1962, 420 Blazing. Script is a Serling. Elliot Silverstein directed. He was in for four zones and also helmed the classic Western comedy Cat Ballou, which scored a lead actor Oscar for Lee Marvin, who we've also seen in The Zone. Joseph Schildkraut played John Holt. His long career earned him an Oscar for his appearance in The Life of Emile Zola, and he was Otto Frank in The Diary of Anne Frank. In a bit of tragic irony, Schildkraut's actual wife died during production of The Trade-Ins, but Joseph considered himself a theatrical professional and soldiered on. Marie Holt was played by Alma Platt. She did not have many screen credits, but she will later appear in Night Gallery. Interestingly, she was actually five years older than Schildkraut and not five years younger as with the Holts. Theo Marcuse was Faraday. We've already seen him in the zone with To Serve Man, his niche was getting villainous on 60s television, which he managed on shows like The Man from Uncle, Batman, and for us Trekkies, the Star Trek episode Cat's Ball. Edson Stroll was the young John Holt, and he had already cheesed cake for us in Eye of the Beholder. He also did that as the straight man in 60s Three Stooges comedies like Snow White and the Three Stooges and the Three Stooges in Orbit. He also got swinging with Elvis and G.I. Blues. G.I. Blues is what happens when you eat too much cheesecake. And directly <laughs> from the Internet Movie Database, this episode, uh, the episode focuses on age and becoming young again. In 1962, the year this episode originally aired, the average life expectancy of a male was 66.9 years and 73.5 years for a female, since we've been a aging people in the twilight wow i thought that was probably worth throwing in (laughs) yeah yeah so this episode uh it it was was your choice some episodes i kind of assigned to people some people chose it you chose this one uh yeah where does this one sit in your mind yeah there's a handful of twilight zone episodes that have this really kind of romantic and tragic uh underlined to them and uh, and i gotta admit like they uh, as many times as i've seen them over and over uh they still get to me they still have an emotional uh punch 
Um, I think this one less the less so than some of the others, but um, I, it, it's so straightforward, and I feel like you can really see the ending coming, but it still works. It's one of those where it, even the the setup, the twist, like it, it's all so obvious. There's very little subtext to anything going on here, but it just works because it's it's efficient. It's well acted. You feel for the characters, um, and yeah, yeah. I'm 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 kind of a sucker, kind of a softy for stories like this. So um, so that's why I wanted to talk about it. Right. Now that but, said, that there there are problems with this episode. <laughs> there are <laughs> some problems in this script, which I'm sure we will get to forthwith. Yes, but uh, yes. Before we get too deep, uh, let me have you put on your best Serling or something else. Uh, had people do beefy <laughs> and uh, <laughs> give us the prologue, please. All right, Mister and Missus John Holt, aging people who slowly and with trembling fingers. Turn the last pages of a book of life and hope against logic and the preordained that some magic printing press will add to this book another limited edition. But these two senior citizens happen to live in a time of the future where nothing is impossible, even the trading of old bodies for new. Mr. and Mrs. John Holt, in their twilight years, who are about to find that there happens to be a zone with the same name. All right. I guess I even love that opening. Yeah. It's it's poetic. Yeah. <laughs> that after yeah. doing the, the one step beyonds, many of which were pretty good when, when we were doing during the strike. Mm -hmm. But one yep. thing I definitely noticed was a not as well written uh, prologues for those. <laughs> that is the truth. Yeah. They, they weren't amazing Criswell level bad, but they were not. They didn't snap, crackle and pop quite as much as a. Uh, Serling's intros do. Oh, I, I, you know, I don't know if he wrote all of them or or if the uh, respective writers of episodes wrote those or what. I... That's a good question. I mean, and there are episodes that clearly Serling himself had more to do with the script than others. Um, and I feel like he, even though, you know, he obviously didn't write them all. And uh, some of these terrific writers who were submitting scripts of the show, I wonder how much of a hand he had in shaping them. And then I, I just always wondered about the process. Like, does he get the script, read it, and then sometime at the 11th hour before they get ready to shoot, he's like, aha, now, now I know what the, what the prologue should be. Like, that, that's his way of putting the button on it, putting the, putting the icing on that proverbial cake. Although by this time of production of the show, he is basically back in New York lecturing and uh, yeah, flying right. over and doing like eight of these at once. Um, it's kind of fun to track when he's actually on set and when he's not watching. What is clear that he's not. Yeah. Because a lot of times yeah. like blur, blur, blur. And then he's just like standing <laughs> on a brick wall and you're like, okay, that's, that's a week he was, you know, doing, yeah. uh, knocking out a whole bunch of these, but, uh, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, well, I am wondering how much would you be willing to trade in for, uh, growing old personally, because, uh, one of my podcasting buddies and you talk to Luke, he's always like, yeah, I'll take my robot arms and robot legs ASAP. Um, yeah. But don't mess with my brain. I don't, I don't want the neuro link or something. So that's kind of his. I take, mean, which... but, but look, like it, here's what's fun about this episode is that they very wisely just skip over the technology. Like if you were to make this story today, you would spend an hour of exposition just going through the technology and trying to cram that that down the audience's throat and then you know at, at the tail end actually tell the the heart of this story so i think this one very wisely like they don't get into it it's just a salesman like oh yeah it works and it's fast faster than you can even imagine and uh, you'll be fine because it works and that's all you need to know that that's it and presumably as the audience, we just assume that it is some kind of a brain transfer into like a, um, you know, into an empty vessel, like these bodies that are created. Maybe they're robotic, maybe they're organic, maybe they're a combination thereof, but you can reproduce every synapse, every neuron in this empty vessel, and that's okay. And leave the brain tissue of the original 
the way that that it is because spoiler we you know we have to get to, back to that point in the episode but the way it's presented here as just an easy like pain free uh process to go through uh and they're charging 5 grand a pop which from early 1962 that would if you translate that to now you're looking at still less than fifty thousand dollars you're looking at like forty to forty five thousand dollars worth it at ten times the price so i say sign me up if we can get to this point by the time i'm 79 done 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 i'm ready to go take my I, deposit now this might have been something that was like kind of in the air on 60 sci-fi if you can id this that's great but um i read this when it's like eight or nine it was a like sci-fi for children but not well young adults or whatever like the 60s version of young adults and um mm -hmm. it had people traveling like the, the characters who can visit grandma and they have a thing where you lie in and it's like you go in stasis and then your consciousness is beamed into a robot robot body halfway across the galaxy right and then cool. you're used, and then when you're finished you go yeah. back to your original body so you you don't yeah. get the the track tra does the transporter kill you uh <laughs> in, in that one at least <laughs> well well okay but but here's the thing is I, I love your note that you have that about does the transporter kill you but this is I, I, this is still playing in like a really weird gray area of that because you, you're not taking apart the original body. You're just presumably copying the uh, the the neurons and the the things that produce the experience of consciousness into this other host body. So I I I don't think they are killing that other body. Although it's a very interesting choice of word. Uh, remember, the salesman said that the other body, the original body, could be exhumed uh, <laughs> up to one week later, and that they could move the uh, the consciousness from the the brand new sexy young host body back into the original body. Um, I didn't think it was as much. Like it didn't bother me or make me question: Is the original dead? The original will be dead at a certain point, past seven days. But this was more that weird thing about the point of view of consciousness, because, like, if you're John Holt, your point of view has only changed in the respect that okay, you're still in a body, you're still looking out through the eyeballs, you still see your wife the way she looked to you. A minute ago but if you look at your own hands then your hands look very young if you look in a mirror you look very different than the way you looked before so it, it really is just about the the displacement of consciousness that i think would be very odd and take maybe some time to get used to but you're only seeing that through your own eyes you know you don't spend every day of your life every minute of every day looking in a mirror you know sizing up who you are and what you look like so from a young John Holt point of view, eh, he should be okay. He decides not to be okay with it, but he should be okay. You know, for those shifts in consciousness, you know, 30 minutes before he started, my alarm went off and I was having some kind of vivid dream, which I instantly forgot about. But it was one of those things, pro probably the alarm just started to go off my dream. Did I like pressed a button in the dream and then the, the um, my real alarm went off. So, <laughs> but it's kind of... No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, oh, I was just going to say that was kind of a somewhat jarring little shift, a smooth, weird one. And I'm, I, you know, I'm wondering if that's the kind of thing that we're looking at with this procedure. Well, well, that's, uh, it, yeah, it, it seems easy. It seems painless. It seems, at least for this company, just like an everyday thing like they everybody who works for that company has gotten past the idea of the weird you know mind bleepery with your consciousness um but like we talked about this on mission log a long long time ago and i can't even remember in what context of what episode but i found it really interesting to hear in in studies of like neurology and the study of consciousness that there are people walking around on planet earth today who do not perceive the seed of their own consciousness 
the way that you and I and the vast majority of other people do. You know, to us, our consciousness exists behind our eyeballs, looking out into the world and controlling the meat suit of a body that we have. And if you ask, like, where are you? Where where do you exist? Okay, well, it, it's the processes of the brain that are experiencing the world through your own skull. Yet there are people walking around for whom, like, the seat of their consciousness and their point of view is like their left thumb or some other weird place because somehow the neurons fired wrong in their brains when they were developing and their you know their understanding of their point of view with the rest of the world is something completely different than what you and I expect but they've adapted and they're able to get along and do things in the world just like you and I uh but from this very strange position and i think like okay so maybe for a day although young john holt is he he's having a good time right away but maybe for a day or two it takes some time to get you know it, it's like when apple got rid of the uh uh the button on the phone and you had to go to face id and like it took about three days for me to get used to the idea of not pushing a button but rather having to swipe up i feel like that's what it would be like going from an old body to a young body and just having to change your perspective. It's like, oh, damn, I, I keep reaching for the button, but it's not there. I just need to get used to it. That's that, that's all that John Holt has to go through. Yeah, it's kind of like if you get used to doing something in a new way and and then you go back to the old way, now the old way feels kind of weird, which might be the, yeah, the, right. the week here. You know, give it a week because anything bad, it's going to be quite, I mean, in his case, he's being sent back into a... Uh, body racked with pain or whatever they, I, I, they don't get specific right. what his problem is I, I guess arthritis or something I, i'm not sure yeah it doesn't seem i normal, well but... i i thought he had cancer i it just i mean he's looking in really bad shape and particularly during that poker game he he just looks like he's about to fall over i i got the impression that it was something terminal that he'd been fighting through this pain for a long time that might have been the case um yeah. You might now, you might have arthritis on top of it too. This this isn't quite a criticism of the episode, but I do feel this one is kind of in the shadow of a few years later. There's uh, John Frankenheimer's Seconds, which to me mm. takes the basic concept and puts it in like a much more interesting. Well, I when I watched that movie for a podcast a year and a half ago, uh, which was not my first time, I was like, oh, this is basically like better twilight zone the movie than twilight zone the movie was so um, <laughs> and, and i don't know if they base that have you have you seen seconds before by chance no no i haven't i i one i'll recommend putting that at the top of your list it's a uh a very old man who's contacted by this company where basically he needs to fake his own death and then they turn him into rock hudson and send him up a malibu as an artist and, uh, okay, so I've heard of this. A buddy of mine told me about it, and it sounded awesome. And yeah, you're saying I need to bump that up to the top of my playlist, right? Yeah. So yeah. it takes what's kind of nice, like the trade ends is kind of a nice humanistic episode where um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. seconds is bleak and has existential terror and <laughs> conspiracy vibes. I mean, like old school sixty conspiracy vibes, that sort of thing. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a yeah. Frankenheimer, you know. <laughs> right. Right. So, uh, it, it can't help it. Yeah. I mean, there's there's certainly some people may prefer this flavor too, where it's kind of chill and it's, you know, everyone's kind of in control of their situation in this episode. Like yeah. the old couple gets to make the decisions. The um guy selling it to him, though it says according to my trivia, he played a lot of villains. He's not really villainous in here. He he's just a salesman, you know. Right. Right. I mean, if I'm a car Although... dealer and you come to buy two cars and you can only afford one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I do want to go back to the very beginning of the episode because there is something oddly dated in the setup here because, okay, you have to get through a certain amount of exposition with this very high concept idea to get your 1962 audience on board with what's about to happen. But, you know... You go right into the episode where this old couple are sitting in this place. I keep wanting to call it New You, but that's that's not a it. New Life uh, Corporation. New Life Corporation, yeah. So they're sitting there in New Life, and 
the salesman is trying to explain that this is a thing that exists that they can do. And I'm like, how the hell did they get there in the first place if this is the first they're hearing of what they're about to do? Because that whole opening scene, they just seem completely clueless about all of this. Like, what? You can move our consciousness to new bodies? What? And we'll live a hundred years? What? What? And they go, like, yeah, of course, we can do that now. We have the technology now. It's like, how did you two old people walk into this building and sit down with this guy and with $5,000 cash in your pocket? How did you get to this point without already knowing what this is? Like, yeah, I understand there might be details you don't understand, but they just seem completely clueless. Like, like they thought they were walking into, you know, a dentist office or or something else that they understood, but somehow ended up in a room with this salesman trying to pitch them this insane existential thing. I bet there's some Apple Store employees out there that would be like. Yes, that happens. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's a little weird. You wouldn't have your you'd be in there without having your brain somewhat around the concept. And I yeah, was, like do do a little research on the internet first. You know, just Google New You Corporation before you walk in. No, don't Google New You. That's going to send you into the uh, Logan's Run uh, New city. Life. New life. <laughs> see, see, I'm going to screw that up every time. You, you get no New uh -huh. Life in uh, Logan's Run. It would have been a uh, kind of a brutally ironic name there for, is for no there. sanctuary we know that yeah <laughs> no i went through the, the first time watching this the first five minutes i was just waiting for the other foot to drop down i'm just thinking about what philip k dick concepts coming through what the salesman's not telling them uh that sort of thing yeah but right. again it turns out that no 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 it, that's not where this episode's going we're not going to that corner of the twilight zone this week mm -hmm. Uh, I yeah. the beholder. Yes, we will, but not not here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there, there's nothing. Um, there's nothing about this episode that is either somebody trying to screw somebody else. Uh, although we uh, we can talk about the poker game, and I think we need. Yeah, we we definitely need to spend a little bit of time on that. But there's nothing where somebody is trying to outdo someone else, and there's nothing in here where like fate is trying to screw the characters in this episode. You know, th these are these are all people acting of their own their own sort of interests, their their uh, they're acting of a certain amount of free will that a lot of times in the twilight zone people just don't seem to have because it's like either fate or somebody else is screwing you and um your your future is sealed here. But but in this is this has a much more gentle approach. Even even with the end where uh, he he decides to stay old, but I'm like, well, okay, he's young now. The his wife's five years younger. Theoretically, they could save up for another year and uh just not do this at the same time. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. This, this guy, he's like young and hot, and he could you know he can just work his butt off and i'm sure he could save five grand in no time be a male dancer or a village person <laughs> all of the above yeah I, I i do think though that like there's one sort of again i keep thinking what if you make the feature length version of this and particularly if you make it now um there is a darker side of this story where it's interesting they say that you can't go through this procedure by using credit. You have to pay up, right? Mm. And two things that I thought, one is that if you made this story now or if you did the feature-length version of this, you would have a world where everybody is selling everything they have and going into every bit of debt that they can possibly achieve just to have this procedure over and over and over again. And you probably get to a point where this is one of those like great medical disparities between the haves and the have-nots. And if you're one of the haves, if you're in the top 1%, 2%, whatever, and you can afford to have this, then you've basically got the ticket to immortality. 
But what that leaves behind is this huge population of people who can't afford it. And they have to suffer the indignity of not just being poor, but of living out a natural life and dying of old age. Well, you're, you're almost uh, directly describing a, a more recent movie that I will not recommend as hard as seconds, but, uh, in time with uh, Justin Timberlake, I, that might have been the Japanese title. Oh, really? Okay. Got right. a um, they got like a little display on their wrist showing how much time is left in their life. But everyone's uh, uh-huh. twenty five until that runs down. So See? Timberlake, his mother is like Olivia Wilde or whatever. You know, they're like they look uh-huh. the same age. And and the oh and, my god, you know, some people are just you know twenty two minutes. I gotta get down to the store and make a trade. Whereas the, the elite live in the center of the city yeah. with like a million years on their arm like they're uh uh-huh. yeah see all, so <laughs> yeah there you go it's uh there you go. it's the guy who made gattaca which for me brought in some goodwill but it, it it's a flawed movie but uh definitely a fun yeah uh sci-fi concept that's a little along the lines of this except that nobody looks old in that world everyone is uh, uh again maybe that the science isn't really like how does that actually work doesn't make any sense but <laughs> this makes more sense right. than that but uh <laughs> right right but uh there, there, there's another one that kind of takes something a little bit like this concept um yeah you know the, the i guess it's 20 minutes and it's a 10 year old movie but uh the spoiler is you know he's like running to catch up with his mom to give her time and you know he's just two seconds too late and she dies so yeah 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 <laughs> it's like Great. a bus is late or something it's the reason too it's like you know something <laughs> ridiculous but yeah yeah that's the kind of thing where people on the lower rungs of society uh, uh economically at least would run into yeah. situations like this like with the trade-ins uh, if he does have a terminal case of cancer well if he only has four thousand dollars is he going to make it that last month to get to the five thousand and afford it exactly exactly there's something really disturbing about this and that, that's why i think you would just create this whole other market of people going into debt doing whatever they could to have this i mean the the most miraculous thing like the thing that everybody in the world would want which is another shot at living their lives another shot at youth you know not having pain not having disease like and even if there is that time limit on it, he said, what, 112 years, something like that. Like, of course, of course, everybody, man, woman, walking this earth, who, whomever, they all want this. Can you do it again when you hit 112? <laughs> that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems like that's the next thing that the New Life Corporation figures out. But then in 112 years, when you burn through that body, okay, now it's going to cost you $10,000 instead of $5,000. Uh, hopefully this. inflation and the uh, right and wages have kept up and yeah <laughs> right right um in in the case of this of course his desperation move is going to the cd poker game which um <laughs> i don't i feel like you could pawn some stuff off before you decide to go play with the um with the mob or whatever uh I, I guess sell I should... your <laughs> look sell your house do whatever I, you know five grand that's all you need it's sell everything you own because you're about to walk out a new life corporation and hot new bodies and you could go do anything to earn that five or ten grand back but but i digress you know that yeah here my specific note is cd poker dungeon always seems like a solid solution Okay. <laughs> and then he's got the worst poker face. You don't look at your cards and make the faces he's making, but he's not a seasoned player. So, um, right, right. Th- this... Yeah. It, it's way out of step for him. Yeah. The more I think about it, that was like the dumbest possible movie could make, but eh, he's, maybe he's a little senile at this point. <laughs> could be. Could be. Uh, yeah. It, it, he's, he's way out of his element. It seems like, I, and look, I, I don't mean to second guess Rod Serling here, but it also seems like okay, the script had had a second or a third rewrite. Maybe that scene is gone because maybe John Holt is trying to do something else to get that money. But because by the end of that whole sequence, he's just back where he started. And uh, Mr. Faraday tells him, like, yeah, you came in with $5,000, you leave with $5,000. So he didn't, he, he just burned through all that time without making any progress whatsoever. He just didn't lose the money that he already had. 
I mean, this show has enough firepower in the the writing that it really could have just made a five minute scene of him and his wife trying to work it out in a, in a conversation. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. something that's happened on a Twilight Zone episode before. And could, sure, um, when we did uh, Hocus Pocus and Frisbee. Yeah, no, 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 no. It was um four o'clock, four o'clock, where which had okay. what I think we decided to call the dumbest twist on the show. Um, <laughs> but then after that, there's the thing is there's these two conversational scenes which are like fantastic in that episode, and and the rest of it's a little derpy. So <laughs> okay, yeah, it, it was just kind of like here you could put a scene like that in, and it might be the standout scene. Whereas the poker, I honestly like. <laughs> I almost forgot about that scene having watched this episode twice. <laughs> sure, sure. It, it does seem but a I, I, I will have to hand it to him. Just dramatically, the poker scene plays very well. Like, I think it's well cast. I think Theo is great as, as our heavy. But then even the heavy has a heart of gold. Like, it, it was this really nice moment where... I I kept wondering, okay, what what's going to happen here? What will be the reveal here? Is somebody bluffing? Uh, I, I you know, will there be some altercation? What have? But no, but it it ends on this really sweet note, um, with even the bad guy just realizing, like we we can't keep kicking this guy while he's as far down as he is. Yeah, yeah. Um... Also, just I guess it gives a change of scenery. I mean, if we're looking at it from a writing the script frame of yes. mind, is you, that yeah. keeps it from feeling completely like a one act play because that might yeah. have been the feeling. Although, although, again, that's we've had those in the Twilight Zone, and some of those are very good episodes. Uh, looking at Nervous Man in a Four Dollar Room, where you only have two actors, yeah. one set. <laughs> right. So right. Yeah, and maybe that's what you're saying, where a rewrite or two could have sharpened it up, because especially in 1962, the concept is great. I mean, again, I'm saying you're uh, spewing off later works that I would think the filmmakers might have seen this at least once. Right, yeah, right. Um, do you have any other big points you want to throw onto this episode? Uh, big points, not necessarily. And I, I, I think it is... It's strong because of the high concept. I think the acting is very good. I think even if it's, if it's a script that is imperfect, some of those imperfections are what make this even better. Like I said, I really appreciate the idea that they don't have to spoon feed you all the details about how this works or anything like, no, no, no. We just need to cut to what's important here. And that's who these people are and what their relationship is to each other. And it it's nice to see an episode where we're not just like kicking people while they're down or, or waiting for like the punishment they deserve, you know, because it, there's a lot of twice and episodes that are like that too. Um, but like I said, I, I, I love a, good romantic story like this too and and it, it came to mind finally uh the long morrow i think is uh, you've not gotten to it yet but that that's another one that is kind of along these same lines and um it is actually a very good parallel to this in terms of its building of relationship building of these characters who you really feel for their personal and romantic lives and i think that's what this one does very well I'm just now look, scared. I'm not saying that I agree with all the decisions that are made here, because uh, personally, I would say find whatever you can do, whatever means are necessary to keep that young hot body and just and like live your life and obviously help your wife too if she needs a young hot body as well. Like make that happen. Work harder, John Holt, because <laughs> you know He's Mary's waiting retired. for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, my um, the only thing you know, I'm looking at here, this is a just a production observation, is that uh, they're getting extras to stand um, very still, a lot better at this point in the show. Uh, that was kind of fun. Okay, were there scenes though that I, it felt like there were some scenes that they freeze framed, but most of those were just people standing very still while the camera moved past them, um, and they're they're kind of 
kind of weird looking stuff of them, <laughs> you know. Well, they have that uh frozen smile. I told you we we went to the sushi restaurant on on Christmas Day as one does in Japan, and they had an ad yeah. there. It was just a, a woman eating a piece of sushi and smiling. But I'm just like. In real life, that model was probably in that position for the past five minutes, and the smile exactly. on her face now like betrays that. It was like the Just most the unnatural frozen. looking sushi eating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, well, let's uh, put the questions onto this episode. Uh, who, if anyone, in this episode went through the twilight zone? Um, I think only John did. Because he actually got a taste of what that other life would be. And I still think he probably made his decision a little too fast in the end. Um, I, I think from the time that they enter new life, uh, this couple has not yet entered the twilight zone. They're just sort of, they're tempted with this very interesting idea um, which again, I think everybody, no matter what, would want. But I think John is the only one who actually goes through the Twilight Zone. He's the only one who gets a sense of what it is, and then he he makes his decision. I, I basically agree with you, but I am just going to throw on the maybe nobody does because this mm. is a common technology and whatever world we're looking at mm. um it, it's the, so common that these people don't know what it is until they're sitting in the office to hear the sales pitch <laughs> so I mean, weird you're to saying, me. yeah. what would this be today it would be a black mirror yeah. episode with a very dark ending <laughs> yes yeah it would it would i don't think i need that dark of an ending yeah 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 i mean this is more like like that show is more like here is a new technology and here is it going horribly wrong or just yeah. you know, very existentially disturbing, which the Twilight Zone also does sometimes. But the focus in the Twilight Zone is, you know, reality warping a little bit. But I, I would argue this one's a little more of a um, of a technology thing because we're just supposed to accept this as normal in the setting of this episode. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, the other thing that we don't get into here because it isn't that story that we're telling, but there is another version of this where this couple, the Holtz, um, kind of, you know, maybe this is the worst thing for their relationship. And I think the episode is not making a statement on this at all, because it is just this promise of, look, they're old, uh, they're in failing health, at least John is in failing health. And what is it worth to you to be able to erase some of that and relive your life and, and, uh, spend all these years again with the person that you love. And that's a really beautiful story. The downside of that story is, okay, it's hard work to maintain that relationship for another hundred years. It's hard work when you've been given this, you know, the young hot body again, and you've got to figure out what to do then for a living for another hundred years. It's like, you know, there are all these complications that come along with it. Um, I, I think that we as the audience walk away with the idea of that, okay, here's this sweet couple who for how long did they say they've been married in the episode? Like 54 years or something, something like, that? like that? Yeah. 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 Um, and lived this, you know, from our perspective, very complete, very fulfilled, loving life together. But like, is there something really disturbing and I, I don't want to say distasteful, but um, but but maybe kind of dangerous and horrifying about having to redo that? Like, what if you screw it up the next time around? <laughs> you know, like like maybe part of the lesson here is just realizing like, no, 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 we've we've had it good. Like the, this is complete. We don't need to do this other over again to try to somehow make it better. We've already won. I, maybe I'll phrase the second question a little bit differently today then and uh, just ask if John Holt made the right decision and or a reasonable decision because he deserves what he gets. He, he unlike most people in the Twilight Zone, 
he has full mm. agency in this episode. What happens to him is, yeah. his, is his choice. There's no real deserve in this case. So, um, yeah. did he make the right choice? <laughs> For him, yes. I think, but but I think he and his wife are very special people in in the context of this because, it, like in my head, there is a line of thousands of people waiting to get into a place that does this procedure that that affords them this this new lease on life. Literally, for him, he made the right decision, and maybe for her. He made the right decision. They could have watched um, Harold and Maude, except it was 1962. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, like, even if, to your point, even if it took a year to raise another five grand to do it, that's still a year that he could be young and healthy and getting his act together. And then his wife just, boom, just picks up right where they left off in that new body as well. I'm not saying I would make the same decision. I'm not saying that most people would make the same decision. I think that for him, for the kind of people that they are in this story, yeah, the, this ends the way that it needs to end. And making the choice at, uh, you know, around our ages versus making the choice uh, around age 80 is going to be a very different situation. You know, when you're 79, you might have a different take uh, either way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a you know, very different uh, phase of life. So maybe they feel exhausted. You know, I mean, that, that's the thing I was kind of getting at. Like, like, how much harder it would be to do it all over again. You know, that that is, and Twilight Zone does this as well. Other science fiction does this as well. It's like, yeah, Fountain of Youth sounds great until you have to do the work. <laughs> so. Where would you place this one on the tripometer from a zero to five being very trippy? I don't think it's particularly trippy. I mean, again, I, I think there's the promise and the intellectual exercise of the episode, but I don't think it's particularly trippy. It, it's like a one because John gets this taste of it. It completely sort of like realigns his outlook and and his assessment of what's important so that that's his moment of trippiness is being in this young body but it doesn't last very long um his trip is a short one you know so yeah okay that's i think you're going with the the experience of watching the episode how trippy is that i'm thinking more of the high concept of this technology which and not not how it plays out in the episode. I'm thinking of these later sci-fi's <laughs> I keep mentioning. So for me, I'm actually yeah, going yeah. four because I latched on to the concept, and I'm I'm sort of basing my score on that. So, but yeah, actually, oh, well, thinking about the experience of watching the episode is probably a lot lower. Yeah, I but well, but even then, it, it's like I I don't know, like it, yeah, the, the, there is something about the technology that to us sitting here in late 2023 is very trippy because we want that and it seems so out of reach at the same time it's like well kind of as you pointed out it is the reality of the episode just the reality is like here's just a thing that exists that people have access to and and even now we kind of look at it and go like oh okay well a hundred years ago, you couldn't do hormone replacement therapy. We didn't have organ transplants. We didn't have, uh, you know, bionic devices and uh, artificial limbs and things that you know could be connected to a neuron. Like you know, so we're 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 actually living in a time where we're making these tiny little baby steps toward turning back the clock. It not in as profound a way here. But it is still kind of within some sense, this reasonable expectation like, oh, yeah, if we can only live long enough to get to that point where our technology is caught up with our desires there, like, yeah, we we could get there. So is it really a trip? Like, it's not it's not a trip in the respect that it's sort of supernatural or relies on magic 
or anything else. It's just like, yeah, here's just the natural progression of the technology. That's that's where we'll end up. Well, in the 80s, such a different place now. I mean, now we live in a world where you can go go see yeah. the Stones, Surviving Beatles, and the Who at that age. I know, <laughs> I know. Well, and that, that is one kind of funny thing. This episode is he's 79, she's 74, and in reality, he was about 64. Six. When, uh, 66, 66 and 71 were the actors' ages. Okay, and they are both made up to look way older than they are. I mean, you can see the makeup, and they they make them look about a hundred and twelve. Yeah, know? they're just. That's why I brought the life expectancy. They're like way beyond the pale. They shouldn't even be alive anymore. You yeah, know? but yeah, but now, yeah. um, uh, who who directed the Ferrari movie? Um, he he's eighty. Oh, uh, Michael Mann. Yeah, yeah, Michael Mann. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, how did that go out of my mind? But yeah, it was like there's yeah. like a picture of him. He's looking into the spry eighty. He just made a another major one. Um, yeah, yeah. So 80s, not the worst. I mean, I'm not necessarily looking forward to being like, oh, crap, I'm 80 now. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. not what it used to be. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Um, I thought two things were interesting at the end of this episode. I was a little okay. surprised to hear a quote from the prophet in 1962. I felt like that wouldn't have yeah, gone on to the right? later 60s. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. And I thought this was an interesting one to end with like a mental health uh you know like pa <laughs> and uh, especially for 62 because we see that now where episodes might have that at the beginning like hey trigger warning or at the end you know have a call this number thing if you're feeling you know right something whereas this episode right. has that and i was like huh that that's interesting they put it on this one and it's 1962 so yes yeah yeah that was super cool i mean hopefully at help somebody but uh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um i guess we will wrap things up then uh what's what's going on in your new year i guess i should ask uh you can take that personally or professionally <laughs> <laughs> well i want everybody to do what i always ask of them which is go to podcast.rodberry.com because by the time you hear this the new page for genealogy will be up there with all the destinations as we are spinning that off into its own feed. Um, and, you know, there's just lots more to come with, with Mission Log, uh, Trek Files, Mission Log Live will come back sometime early in the year. Uh, I think we're expecting season five of Discovery to start early spring. So we'll come back before that kind of ramp up when we get there. And, um, yeah, uh, other things that I don't want to announce just yet because I'm still kind of waiting on dates and confirming stuff. Uh, but I also do want people to go to trektalks.net because on January 13th, uh, we'll be hosting Trek Talks 3, which is our all-day live stream telethon to raise money for Hollywood Food Coalition. And I do that in conjunction with the guys from Trek Geeks and Trek Movie, John Billingsley, Sci-Fi Sisters, uh, from our own uh, podcasting world, you know, Norman, uh, Jessica Lynn Verdi, Heather Barker, uh, a bunch of us are kind of all pitch in and volunteer our time to make that event happen. So January 13th, trektalks.net. Yeah, and uh, the past couple of years, y'all are on when I'm sleeping for the most part. So I've ended up taking you. Well, we planned it that way. We always right. plan it that right, way. Right, we just right. want to make sure you're asleep. Yeah. Right. No, no, no. I just, I, I ended up ripping the YouTube or whatever, putting that on my phone and having this insane, like eight hours, like an eight, it's like an eight hour podcast on your phone. Uh, it, it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, a lot of good stuff coming with that. Yeah. As for time enough podcast, we're on some of the socials, I guess. And uh, you can support us on Patreon. Uh, podcastio, podcastius. We also talk about really good and really bad movies at Films and Filth. I talk about Space 1999 on Podcast 1999. And you won't hear me on some video game ones where Luke loves Pokemon. I real field report about the Zelda games and the game game show. Okay, hopefully that worked. Um, you know, the regular <laughs> listener doesn't want to hear that every week. So I, I try and make it like exactly 30 seconds. So you can just like hit that button once. And well then, done. Then well you're done. out of it. Uh, that's, that's my <laughs> mental clock. But uh, hey. Yeah. I told I told you I pressed the button in my dream and then woke up. So I think my internal clock is uh running That's pretty solid these days. Uh, <laughs> Good job, man. I also almost never set an alarm. So, but yeah, 
when when you're getting up a little earlier, it's sometimes a good idea. Or if you're 79, maybe you need to set an alarm. I, I just don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Thank you.